1: Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. I'm Father Stephen Roth, the Director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Today, we're gonna to be talking about the seminarian's role in a parish. Part of our formation program involves seminarians having opportunities across the archdiocese to spend both summers as well as a pastoral year in a parish setting to get a sense of what priesthood will be like. Today, our guest is Rick Baylog. Rick serves as a parish manager at St. Isaac Jogue's Parish in Parkville. Welcome to the show, Rick. Thank you, Father Roth, it's a pleasure to be here this morning. As I mentioned, Rick currently works at St. Isaac Jogues and in the past I had the great privilege and honor of serving there as, as pastor. During my time there, I recognize that when we think about uh, lay leadership in the church, uh, Rick Balog is certainly par excellence, uh, definitely a trusted voice um, in the midst of all the uh, back and forth of, of church administration. And so I thought it would be good for us to talk to Rick today to just get some insight in what he has seen uh, with regards to seminarians' involvement uh, in parish settings. So, Rick, I know St. Isaac's has been blessed to have seminarians both for summers as well as pastoral year assignments. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what you've seen seminarians do at St. Isaac's?
2: Yeah, I, I think by and large, a seminary's presence in a parish uh, alone brings with it uh, a special, some special additions. Um, whether it's through uh, lecturing or in some cases depending on their talents cantering, uh, administering the uh, sacrament of Holy Communion or perhaps even teaching parishioners on a weekly basis, through liturgical ministry uh, their, their, or parish socials, they really become part of the fabric of a parish and, and depending on whether it's a summer assignment or a pastoral year, what can be a relatively short period of time and Seeing them get to know the the parish and and learning about them and what their gifts and talents are and e- how each one is really unique and has his own special gifts and talents uh, really adds something to parish life.
1: And with your role as, as parish manager, I remember that you're pretty much involved in in every aspect of, of parish life. Um, how do you think they interfaced with you, and how um, how did you see that unfold as? as the time progressed either both, either in the summer assignment or pastoral year? My, my
2: role as parish manager, I'm, I'm heavily involved in the administration and the business side. So a lot of times when seminarians come, um, we have seen the seeds planted of their theological uh, formation and learning through the first couple of years of seminary um, or whatever the case may be. But really from an administration side, a lot of times that's very new to them. So a lot of times I'm seeing a blank slate the guys that are eager and willing to learn, some of them who are experiencing the the business side, if you will, the administration side for the very first time, um, and just their eagerness and their willingness to learn, and and their realization that that you know formation is an ongoing process and that they have a lot to learn, um, it, it really it really is unique in, in e- with each seminarian.
1: Have you seen any bit of a trend in seminarians and as they arrive at Saint Isaac's? Are there certain aspects of ministry or the life of the parish that they just gravitate to naturally?
2: Uh, I, I think that in a lot of cases, they gravitate towards the uh, liturgical ministry, um, assisting with the sacraments. A lot of times they're eager to teach and help with catechesis or RCIA. Um, and that, that really seems to be where I see a lot of their strengths and a lot of, the, a lot of where the, the, the fire in their heart is, if you will. And and that really that can really add something. It certainly brings different perspectives. That's for sure.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I guess conversely, have you noticed are there areas um, that I guess I would say that seminarians want to learn about, but maybe they're a bit hesitant to um, to get involved in?
2: Yes, all, all all too often. I think that goes back to a lot of times that administrative side. I think a lot of times they find the. The, the business side of the house, if you will, uh, to be frightening or, or scary, um, which if you don't understand it, it, it certainly can be. Um, but as long as you know, you're know you willing to learn and have a basic understanding of, of what happens not only on the spiritual side, but on the administrative side as well, it'll really give you the whole picture and, and help you grow in, in your formation.
1: I remember my days at St. Isaac's, you were really instrumental both in our meetings with the corporators as well as with the finance committee. Uh, given that you know, that's really your your background, you helped me to not only understand what was being presented, but to hopefully make as prudent decisions as possible. Uh, what would you say you've been able to do with the seminarians to at least give them somewhat of a, a cursory review of of what you do um, with a particular pastor of a parish?
2: One of the things when 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 the seminarians come to see me and begin to learn about maybe that administrative side of the house. And again, in some side, sometimes for the first time, um, I try to explain the whole process, what goes into making a decision, how we spend the money, why we spend the money, um, what takes priority, why one thing may take priority over something else and making sure that those items are in line with our mission priorities, uh, things like that. And just helping them understand that while, you know, obviously seminarians come from all different backgrounds and some of them have, we've been fortunate where some of them have come from, for example, a business background, but if you haven't, sometimes in the business world, things are more black and white and in the pastoral world, uh, in the church world, things aren't always black and white. Sometimes you make decisions based on uh, pastoral care or pastoral need that may not be in line with what the budget calls for in any given year, but you have to discern that and you have to look look at what the needs are and what's best for the parish and, and kind of determine why you're making that decision And also, sometimes you got to put what you want aside and look at what's best for the parish, what's best for the organization overall, Um, and always putting that first.
1: So I'll ask you a a pointed question. I know many times I felt overwhelmed just because, again, my background is not finance. What advice or what have you done to help seminarians not get overwhelmed? Because even just some of the very basic language of finance can be a bit intimidating where – Uh, You know, we're definitely skilled in the theological world, but when it comes to finance, uh, even just the most basic language can sometimes be a bit uh, threatening.
2: I try to let them know to to find that person that they can rely on when when they're in that role as pastor or when that responsibility comes to them. Um, You know, the, the Archdiocese of Baltimore in particular has a very good structure in place with corporators. Uh, and finance committees being called for. Uh, and those people are, are there and they're called to serve in those roles for a reason because that is their area of expertise. Um, and, and while they have to know enough to, to be responsible for it, um, they don't have to be masters of the trade, so to speak, but, but they can rely on the advice they're giving, get given and, and take that into consideration when, when making uh, decisions. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, any manager, any leader is only as good as the team he has around him.
1: Sure. And you've mentioned a lot about not only what the seminarians, uh, do, but also just giving them so many opportunities and experiences. If a pastor or a pastoral leader is listening to our conversation today and they're saying, I'd be interested in having a seminarian, but I wouldn't even know where to start. How do I provide such a structure or, um, this array of opportunities what would you say that you've done at St. Isaac's where you, along with the staff, to provide this um, this arena for the seminarian to grow and, and learn so much?
2: Well, I think it's always important to keep in mind that when a seminarian enters the parish, whether it be for a summer assignment, which is relatively brief, or whether it's for a pastoral year assignment, that number one, each seminarian is unique. And usually by the time we, we receive a seminarian, um, what we're seeing are the seeds that have been planted the first couple of years of their formation in the seminarian. And in some cases, it may be the seminarian's first time in a parish setting. Um, so it's just always important to keep in mind that, that they're here to learn. Uh, it's important to keep in mind that the environment and the, the culture always stay, always be mindful of what the mission is and set, set the tone of, of what daily life is like, because in, in a lot of times this may be the first, first experience of what daily parish life is like, the closest thing to, to ordination or living as a priest prior to ordination, um, having that experience in a, in a parish and seeing the daily life and and for the seminarian to even have the opportunity to live in a rectory setting. Um, So setting setting the tone can be very important, a prayerful tone um, and a professional tone. And again, just keeping those mission priorities and the goals in mind.
1: And well, I think all of what you said makes a a whole lot of sense. Uh, I think one of the challenges, and I guess uh, embodying what you mentioned, is a seminarian arriving in a parish and being told that he's gonna offer a reflection after communion or um, whether that's at a weekday mass or even Sunday. That's pretty intimidating, probably right next to uh, the finance piece that we, we spoke about earlier. What has been your experience of seminarians? Again, uh, a lot of times coming in at this uh, from an early stage but now being thrust in front of a community to reflect on, on the mission that you spoke about. Um, what's that been, what has that been like for the parish?
2: Well, I think again, when we get seminarians, whether it's a summer assignment or a pastoral year guy, usually it is an an opportunity. Um, you know, up, up to that point, they've had the experience of being seen, being reviewed, if you will, by their mentors, by their seminary colleagues, um, by their supervisors, but this is really when they're in a pair setting and they're asked to, for example, give a reflection, that really that's the first chance where everyone gets to see them. Everyone gets to see uh, how they've been, how the formation process has gone for that person the past two years, what they've learned, uh, maybe even reveal what those strengths are and in some cases what those weaknesses are. Um, every, each guy is unique. Each guy has their own gifts and talents. Some, some are better speakers than, than others, and, and, uh, but, but really that's the first chance to see the, the results of those seeds that, that were planted through the first couple of years of formation uh, for, for everyone to see them.
1: Well, thanks, Rick. I really appreciate that uh, the insights that you've shared with us. Uh, right now, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Rick Baylog, And we're going to take a look now at the impact that the seminary has had on, on the parish community and, and staff as a whole. I'm Father Stephen Roth, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio.
4: Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Denise Donaldson thought nothing of it when she felt her subway car jostle and saw its lights go off for a moment as she was traveling from her Brooklyn, New York home to a training conference for social workers at Hunter College on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. It was only after emerging from underground that Donaldson realized something was terribly wrong. Everyone was in a panic, remembered Donaldson, now a parishioner at the Catholic Community of St. Francis Xavier in Hunt Valley. There were cabs just stopped in the middle of the road with their doors wide open, blaring their radios so people could gather around and hear the news. As you looked downtown, you could see the smoke rising. While she was beneath the city, terrorists had steered their hijacked airliner into the North Tower at the World Trade Center on September 11, 2001. A second plane would soon hit the South Tower. Walking toward the twin smoking towers, Donaldson noticed a disoriented woman muttering to herself. The woman, who looked to be in her 60s, said she couldn't find her home. Accompanying the woman as she searched for her residence, Donaldson noticed a crucifix hanging around the stranger's neck. Although raised a Catholic, Donaldson was more of what she described as a pagan at that time in her life. She hadn't prayed the rosary in 15 years. Nevertheless, Donaldson asked the woman if she wanted to pray the rosary. The new traveling companions were soon repeating Hail Marys, Our Fathers, and Glory Bees as they walked the streets of New York. The pair eventually came across a doorman who recognized the woman and brought her safely home. As she reflected on the events of September 11th years later and the unexpected way she found herself praying with a stranger, Donaldson started to reconnect with her faith. For more on this story and remembrances of the September 11th attacks, visit CatholicReview.org. The Anglican Bishop of Ebb's Fleet, England, stepped down from the office after announcing that he will become a Roman Catholic. The resignation of Bishop Jonathan Goodall was announced by Anglican Archbishop Justin Welby of Canterbury in a September 3rd statement released by Lambeth Palace. The bishop's decision to join the Catholic Church represents the highest level transfer since Gavin Ashenden, a former royal chaplain to Queen Elizabeth II, who became Catholic at Christmas in 2019. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of The Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks. With inviting surroundings, complete independence, and an unmatched quality of life, Mercy Ridge is the
2: unparalleled choice for your retirement lifestyle. It's a way of living that promotes an active, healthier life. Located in Timonium, Maryland, Mercy Ridge Continuing Care Retirement Community features a beautifully landscaped 32-acre campus. The grounds, dining and recreational amenities and residences are designed to provide a gracious lifestyle and a variety of exciting activities. Visit MercyRidge.com
3: Every child enters the world with limitless potential. Potential of mind. Potential of body. Potential of spirit. If there was only a place where that potential could be nurtured and challenged every day, where the limits of greatness, once unseen, could now be within reach. Catholic schools, rise above.
0: This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio.
1: Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. I'm Father Stephen Rock, the Director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Today we're talking to Rick Balog. Rick serves as a parish manager at St. Isaac Jogues Parish, and we're hearing about what it's been like to have seminarians in in a parish. So Rick, our last segment we spoke a lot about what the seminarians were doing and what they were learning. How about let's look at the other side of the coin. What has it been like for the parish to have uh, a seminarian ministering in the community?
2: We've been very lucky over the past several years to have our our fair share of seminarians. And again, it really adds something to the parish. It really has a way of invigorating parish life, whether it be uh, in RCIA, uh, their opportunities in catechesis. Um, It it brings different perspective um, and in seeing how these seminarians, whether again, a summer assignment or a pastoral year assignment, seeing how they develop relationships with our, with our faithful and really kind of connect with people. Um, it's really a unique experience, especially at the various stages
1: of formation uh, in which we get seminarians. From what I remember, St. Isaac's was an extremely welcoming, engaged community. Can you share an anecdotal story or two of maybe just something that you heard of a parishioner saying, wow, this seminarian has made such an impact in this particular way, or even a funny story of a seminarian interacting with someone?
2: Um, I, th- I think, just for example, the way that they, they connect with people um, and how, how our parishioners almost seem to adopt them, as, as if they, in some cases, if they are their own sons. Um, you know, we, we, we've had a, a seminarian here, for, for example, who one time at a various liturgical event, uh, I think, left his surplus at, at the place where, the, where he had served previously. And in the blink of an eye, he just mentioned it in passing, our parishioner stepped forward and, and, were, and wrote him a check to purchase himself another surplus, for example. And he was just absolutely overwhelmed uh, by, by that, how they would almost immediately reach out to him and, and the care and concern they had for him and want to make sure that, that his needs are being, being fulfilled, um, not only on a, on a spiritual basis, but even from a material basis as well. Um, and I, and I think that, that in a lot of cases can be very, um, very humbling to guys.
1: Sure. No, absolutely. How about even on a more, um, specific level? I know that you oversee the staff at St. Isaac's. What would you say are ways that the staff has been impacted by, by a seminary? And again, whether for just a, a short summer assignment or for a pastoral year, how have you seen the staff change because of a seminarian being there?
2: I think one of the biggest things we see in staff is just even for staff, it can be a humbling experience when you just see a, a younger guy come in with the the willingness to serve, who's who's on fire for the faith, and and just willing to jump in and, and, and help wherever need be, no matter what it is. Um, you know, even even some things from mundane tasks to helping with RCIA or helping with faith formation or sacramental prep or whatever the case might be. Um, it, it's it's very unique to see, and it's. It's very energizing to see a guy to see a guy just kind of take take in everything and learn the whole the whole picture.
1: So. And it's really because of that that as an archdiocese we feel so strongly about sending our guys into parishes, both for the summer as well as this unique experience of a pastoral year. And for our listeners that might not be aware of what the pastoral year is, it's it's a year where a seminarian steps outside of a seminary formation and lives in a parish for a year to experience what parish ministry is like as a priest is as close to ordination as possible without actually being a priest. And there is that moment where the man continues to discern, is this what he wants to do for the rest of his life? And the archdiocese also looks to say, is this man, does he have the necessary skill set to be, to be an effective priest? And in order to make those determinations, whether in summer or pastoral year, we try to assess, we, I wish that I could send a seminarian to every parish in the archdiocese and, Maybe if God continues to be generous, one day we'll be able to do that. Um, but right now, we try to match the seminarian with a particular parish based on uh, the needs of the seminarian with regards to how he's growing in formation, areas that he needs to develop, and then also the particular parish community and the, the dynamics and the charisms of the pastor, his uh, leadership team, as as well as the community as a whole. Uh, so having said all that, Rick, I, I guess my big question, to you is how has seminarians at St. Isaac's, how have they impacted even just an awareness of the formation program in the archdiocese? I,
2: I think that it gives the faithful, the parishioners of St. Isaac Jogues, a, a chance to see the, the investment um, that the Archdiocese is making uh, in seminarians and in seminarian formation. Um, I think it makes them feel good and and secure that that there is that, that there is a future. Um, and that the future is is full of men who will be good, solid priests and faith leaders and pastors, and and will be there to minister for not only them but for their children and grandchildren, and and I think that that has been one of the largest fruits of of having a continually having the opportunity to be blessed with seminarians in a parish setting.
1: Great, and in addition to I guess the greater awareness of the formation program, I think a piece that probably was a bit. Surprising, maybe um, to the staff and to the parish, was that there are evaluations that accompany this uh, this time in the parish. Evaluations from the pastor and a self evaluation from the seminarian, um, but also we look for feedback from from the staff and parishioners. So I'm just curious when you were first given an evaluation to fill out for a seminarian, what what was that like for you as the parish manager?
2: Well. I think we've been very lucky here to have some very, very good seminarians, and I think that a lot of them uh, have kept in mind, again, whether it's a summer assignment or whether it's a pastoral year assignment, uh, this isn't just time off from seminary formation or academic learning, um, this is a chance for them to immerse themselves in a parish setting, really the, the closest thing they'll get to ordained life prior to actually being ordained, the opportunity to involve themselves in the sacramental life of the parish, the opportunity to to teach, to, to catechize, to, to involve themselves in social, parish socials, things like that, you know, in a parish setting, a lot of opportunities are presented, and it's, it's how the individual takes advantage of those opportunities, how he chooses to immerse himself in those opportunities. And really, the guys we've had have really fully immersed themselves and taken full advantage, um, kind of that, that green blank slate. They're willing to learn, and they're, they're sponges. They want to suck up as much as they can. Um, it's also interesting to see how they connect with parishioners um, and the relationships they form. Uh, in, in really, what can be a relatively short period of time that they're with the parish, but those relationships and how they interact with others, um, those are all crucial pieces. So, in in evaluating seminarians, again, we've been very lucky here to, to have very very good seminarians who I think will be great future priests. Um, but I think that you know those learning opportunities and um, they have been well used.
1: Great, and as you were filling out the evaluation, I'm sure you remember that one of the questions dealt with the balance that the particular seminarian is able to demonstrate in his daily life. So we have spoken about ministry and his work and observations, um, but maybe someone that's listening is saying, well, what about, does he get to have any fun? Does he ever get a day off or a vacation? Can you speak to that a bit about the free time that a seminarian might have?
2: Sure. And that's actually one of the big learning curves that we sometimes see. Um, I think sometimes maybe guys are, are afraid to, 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 you know, to take that time for themselves to, maybe it's because they don't know um, what is acceptable and what's not acceptable, or maybe it's sometimes because expectations may not be clear. But overall, um, you know, a lot of times we see guys that work hard and they play hard too, Um, whether that's enjoying themselves on on a day off with friends or going out to dinner or maybe even having, having a few other uh, seminarian colleagues over at the rectory for a social. Um, the opportunity to take, to take time away, to take time for yourself, that's very much needed, and very much important uh, for a well-balanced, uh, healthy
1: seminarian. Well, Rick, thanks again. This has been a real pleasure to have this conversation with you. Uh, it's also been nice to sort of walk back on memory lane here and remember so many wonderful moments of St. Isaac's. I could not be more grateful to you and to all the parishes across the archdiocese who provide such incredible experiences uh, to our seminarians. They really learn, I'd say, two and three times more than they do in the classroom uh, when they're, they're in a parish setting and witnessing the wonderful leadership of yourself and, and so many others. If anyone is interested in more information about our seminarians or our discernment program, please check out our website at bemorevocations.org. That's b m o r e. V-O-C-A-T-I-O-N-S dot org. Again, it's be more I'm Father Stephen Roth and I'm the director of vocations, so happy to be with you today, and thanks for listening.
3: You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with The Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org.
4: Tune in to Catholic Review
2: Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF, 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area, and WVTO, 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.